You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. Bless you. People are like, man, you guys get refreshed from taking your vacation. (laughs) We have three toddlers, okay? There's no such thing as refreshing, but it was good to take time off work and just me be with my family and be with my kids and be present and do fun things, amen? Which is just as important or more important actually than being refreshed, amen? Amen. You, listen, I won't even tell you some of my hiding places here at the church. So Pastor Darrell for years has been like, man, why don't you just go home? I'm like, for what? He's like, you look tired. You, you, look, you, look, you, know, you look tired. Why don't you go home? I'm like, do you, what do you think is going to happen there? You know? <laughs> my wife is going to be like, bro, you're here. Praise God. Here, I'm taking a bath. Here you go. They're, going, they're driving me crazy. So anyways, it was really, really good. Um, it was good to get out and have fun with my family. Um, really, really good to make, make some memories. I'll encourage you if you're like me and you, you're a parent and you got young kids and you, you question whether or not you should spend money um, on little vacations, I, I do the same thing, um, but just go. You know, I also give, I also sow in the ministries, I do all of that as well. But I remember when I got one of those stimulus checks, I felt the Lord say, you know, Mike, you can sow into your own family, right? We sow into everything else generously. You need to, also, you need to sow in, let me say like this, you need to sow into your own marriage. Well, marriage coaching is expensive. No, you need to look at it as sowing. Sow a seed into your marriage. Sow a seed into your kids, into your families. And you will reap from those, those, those seeds that are planted, amen? Amen and amen. So, uh, real quickly, uh, another announcement. Um, uh, Julian Adams, I felt the Lord tell me to bring in a prophet to this house to come and speak to us. Um, Julian Adams is recognized as a prophet. Uh, if you want to listen to some more about him, I think he was on Chris Valentin's latest podcast, Cultural Catalyst. Um, and he will be with us on the 13th and 14th. On the 13th is a Saturday night. Somebody say Saturday night. On Saturday night from 6 to 8 in the youth building. Somebody say youth building. If you're new, it's a building out back, the big metal A-frame building. But he will be teaching. I've asked him to come in and teach on Saturday night just simply on the gift of prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. prophecy. Paul said, earnestly desire the gifts, especially that you'll speak in tongues. Come on, somebody. Thank you for my Bible readers. He says, especially that you'll prophesy. Earnestly desire. You know what earnestly desire something means? It doesn't mean be indifferent about the gifts of the Spirit. It means earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Be open. Pursue them. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I believe in the tongues. I believe in the gifts. I believe in miracles. But, you know, that's all kind of weird to me. So, you know, I just like coming to church on Sunday and staying in my little box. No, earnestly desire the gifts. You need to learn about the gift of prophecy. Amen? I need to learn about the gift of prophecy. I'm super excited. I don't care if any of y'all show up. I brought it in for myself. And I'm going to be there with notes thinking, oh, man, man, I want to learn about the gift of prophecy. Amen? And so we can help get a good understanding of the gift of prophecy. So if you want to learn more about that, come the 13th, 6 to 8 o'clock. He'll also be with us Sunday morning. And I've just asked him to preach just whatever the Lord uh, lays on his heart. So it's going to be really good. Um, I think that was it. Hmm. Hey, my wife had a really good time at the ladies' event. Ladies that came out the other night, my wife came home. Dear God, I almost thought it was like a Target trip. She was gone for three and a half, four hours. You know, you could tell she's a stay-at-home mom, you know. And, and it's like, uh, she, even, she even ignored my call, bless her. I know she did. I know she did. I know she did. She's like, no, something's probably wrong. You know, he's got it. He's got it. And uh, I thought, man. And I just sat there. It was like, it's... A, it's all good. It's going to be okay. And, uh, but she, she came home saying that was so much fun. Uh, for the ladies that came out, how many of you know that fellowship doesn't have to be difficult? It doesn't have to be this major event to just get together. I think you, ladies that came, 
you know, you realize that. It's simple as just playing some card games. And you'll probably, uh, I was going to talk about it a little later, but you probably realize how competitive Maddie is. <laughs> and don't let her little sweet d- demeanor fool you until you play a card game with her. She does not play games. She does not like to lose. And I will dare to say she'll even cheat, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> that's good. So anyways, you ladies that came out, it's really good. Maddie's like, we need to do this more often. We need to just get together. I was like, all right, cool. No big deal. So glad you guys came. Um, so let's get into today's message. I'm sitting down just because I'm talking about this kind of some deep stuff. And I just feel like the Lord told me to sit down and relax. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, I think maybe sometimes we like to think that Jesus always preached standing up and walking around and yelling because we're Pentecostals, right? Yeah, I don't think so. If you read the Bible, a lot of times there wasn't um, you know, a lot of exclamation points after what he was saying. And so uh, some of the most anointed messages I've ever heard wasn't maybe as charismatic as some of you might think. So I just, I'm just going to follow Jesus, amen? Y'all cool with that? Amen. About three of you, praise God. Um, so, anyways, let's just go ahead and pray. Let's open our hearts. Let's, let's rid our hearts of ourselves. Amen. And, and let's, uh, let's just make room for the Lord to come in. Amen. So, I was reading um, what I felt in my heart this morning was like a, a, a brand new surrender for all of us. So, what I mean by that is not like rededicate your life, you've been sinning and you need to come back to Jesus moment, but more of like, God, today, afresh and anew, I surrender myself to you again. <laughs> I, I, does that make sense? I just afresh surrender, Lord. I, I'm, I'm yours. I've been stupid. I'm, I'm messing up, whatever. I'm not even been that great. But you know what, Lord? I, I surrender again this morning. Can we pray that? Can we just lift our hands and just say, Lord, I surrender to you? I surrender to your word. I just surrender to your spirit. Lead me. Teach me. Use me. Father, I just bless your people. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, to come over me and them, God, that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see. Father, that what you are trying to to speak today, what revelation you want to bring this morning, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would do what you can do, and God, you would help me to be a conduit and a vessel of honor for your spirit and your word in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen Amen and amen. Um, Man, I love being home, I'll be honest with you. Like, I like traveling to big cities. It's cool for me. Like, my son is at that age, like, I want to live in a big city. I'm like, mm, no thanks. You know, I, I, I love, the more I travel to bigger cities, the more I'm like, man, I, I pull back into Owensboro. You know how I know God's called me to Owensboro? It's because I just feel it when I come over the bridge. <laughs> and I'm just like, man. I mean, some of you, let me just say this. Some of you might be discouraged about what you think Owensboro isn't, but that's why you're here. What you think God isn't doing in this city, what you think God's not doing in your life, but that's actually something God's trying to stir in your heart. If he's placed something on your heart, he's wanting you to be the conduit, be the change that you're wanting to see, amen? Not just leave in the city, <laughs> right? Not very many amens. Come on. Come on. Where's my builders at? Somebody say amen. Come on. Come on. All my friends and sinners guys say amen to that. Where's my builders at? I said, man, amen. We're here to build something. We're here to build the kingdom. All right. So um, we've been talking about knowing your enemy. Somebody say knowing the enemy. Knowing the enemy. Not, not like get to know him, spend time with the enemy and take him out to coffee. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we don't want you sitting down having a conversation with the enemy. That's not what we're saying. Unless you're speaking truth at him. And I like to laugh at the devil. I don't know about you. You ever like, you had a sibling growing up and like the worst thing they could do when you were upset was laugh at you. I like to laugh at the devil. One of my favorite things, especially when he's trying to discourage me, when he's trying to discourage me about my life. I like to just get in the Holy Ghost and just laugh and just say, oh man, what a joke you are, devil. So anyways, that's just me. I would encourage you to try it. It's a lot of fun, actually. Y'all are thinking, man, this pastor's crazy. Well, that's good. 
All right, 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul wrote, in order that Satan should not outwit us. This is the point of this sermon series is that we'll be able to say that we don't want the enemy, our enemy, to scheme. How many of you know he's scheming? He has a strategy and he's trying to outwit us. He's trying to, in a sense, he's laying traps out for all my hunters out here. He's laying out traps and he's hoping that as you walk your journey of faith, that you step in and your foot comes into some of his traps. Does that make sense? And then as you step in that trap, it closes. And if you don't get out of that trap, then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you sit there and you die, right? And you become, it becomes a stronghold in your life. It becomes something that can be detrimental to you. And you're wondering, man, why can I get intimacy with God? Why can't I get closer with God? Why do I feel so dry? And it's actually because you've just stepped in a lot of the enemy's traps and maybe he has some holds on your life. I'm gonna tell you one of his biggest ones that's probably the most overlooked. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger unless you give the enemy a foothold. Dang. And then we have no problem, it seems like, going to bed angry. Well, they deserve it. Our spouse, they got on my nerves. I'm not going to let them go. And then we, we, and we wonder why our marriage is such in, in shambles. is because we've been giving him a foothold going to bed angry for 10 years. You see what I'm saying? We have to know that the Bible is true more than our opinions. And if it says, man, if, don't go to bed angry... That's a command from the word of God that we need to say, you know what, no matter, I love what this marriage ministry we, we listen to, uh, the pastor said, he said, by, 10, 30, by 11 o'clock I'm wrong and by 12 o'clock I'm always wrong. You know, that's just, he's like, you know what, I'm wrong, 12 o'clock comes around, listen, I'm, it's always me, I'm out, you know, I'm done, I'm not going to bed angry, I give up, right? I saw uh, a little thing, I'll, well, never mind, it's a pick on the women, I better be quiet, all right. I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, yeah, smart man to see. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Men take lessons. Just sometimes shut up. Don't say anything. All the women said. All right. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> so we need to be on guard. We need to be able to recognize when the enemy is trying to lay out traps. And that way you're not just like walking through a minefield and you cannot see mines. My goal as your pastor is that you would be able to see the traps and be like, oh, no, no, that's a trap. That's one of the enemy's traps right there. Oh, no, 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 that's an enemy's trap. Oh, offense, that's the enemy's trap. Oh, unforgiveness, that's his trap. Oh, busyness, that's his trap. Isolation, staying home, staying disconnected from the body, not joining in small groups, all this stuff, not serving in the church, not joining the church. Oh, that's the enemy's trap to get me alone so I can be deceived. You know, and, and you're starting to recognize some of this stuff. And how, I mean, I don't think anybody in this room says, you know, I want to be trapped by the devil. You know what I mean? But I wish that we could kind of take it that serious this morning. That we, we refuse to be trapped by the enemy. Do you hear what I'm saying? That we would refuse. If we're saying, okay, I know I got some bitterness. I know I got these things. We refuse to let, allow that to continue in our lives. We take a stance and say, no more. Amen? Amen. All right, so talked about bitterness, isolation, busyness, unforgiveness. I think last week, Pastor Faith talked about fear. Man, fear can be a huge root that feeds all kinds of other dysfunction, right? So anyways, uh, uh, one thing before we get going with the few topics today, um, I feel, I just want to make one thing very clear this morning. Uh, yes, there's an enemy who's scheming. He's scheming. He wants to attack God's people. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But let me make something very clear. In Luke 22, 31, Jesus is talking to Simon, and he says, Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Listen to me. But this is the most important part. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. This is the beautiful thing. Yes, there's an enemy, but I'm not trying to highlight what he's doing so much. And let me remind you in Romans 8, 34, it says, who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, who was raised from the dead and who is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So the devil is scheming, yes, but even greater, Jesus is interceding. Come on, that's good news. He's saying, yes, the enemy's got a plan, but Jesus is there saying, no, 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 no. Maddie, Daniel, Dominique, Tricia, don't you worry for a second, Nicole. I'm praying for you. Man, doesn't that make you feel good? 
Come on, somebody say, he's my intercessor. I did, man, I love, I love that I have intercessors in this room that pray for me, but man, I'm even more grateful that I have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that's interceding for me. And he's, he's got the closest place at the right hand of the Father. So if you think for a second, man, the enemy, this whole time we're, we're releasing these messages about these traps and maybe every week you're just starting, you're thinking, man, I, I'm, I deal with all of these. Well, welcome to the club. But here's the good news. God is bringing awareness so you can get free. Not so you can be in shame and in guilt. But the reality is freedom only comes from first having awareness. You have to be, you go to a counselor, what does that counselor do? Helps you come aware of what's actually going on in your mind. They say, oh, that's this. Oh, that thing you're struggling with? Oh, that's the insecurity. Oh, that's because you don't think you're good enough. Oh, and they help you become aware of something. And once you become aware of it, you know how to fight. Amen? So, come on, I got my preaching crowd over here. I might just get up and preach right here. Shaka Baba. Glory to God. So, come on, right side. It's going to have a pepper in here. <laughs> come on, somebody. My mama's like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Come in strong for me. Love you. You can always count on your mom, right? Oof. All right, so. <laughs> uh, some of you need to know that you can have joy in the house of the Lord. Joy in the house of the Lord. Because this is going to get a little, we're going to get in your business a little bit this morning, but it's going to be good. So Jesus has prayed for us. Remember that, okay? Remember that. The devil's scheming, yes, Jesus is praying. That's good news. And let's be reminded, even though the devil schemed against Peter, Jesus' prayers must have worked. Because Peter returned. And Peter became, you know, arguably, you know, just one of the best, you know, apostles and evangelists, missionaries the world's ever seen. Amen? So, today's topic, it, it's a few different things, and I'm going to try my best to communicate these well. Um, but a few different strategies the devil uses. I'm going to put these three things together, and maybe even four, but they all work together. Number one is comparison. Say comparison. comparison. Number two is competition. And number three is jealousy. So these things kind of work together and the devil uses these things in the church to come against you and your faith and come against you and your brothers and sisters in Christ to cause what? To mess up unity. And so he uses comparison, all right? So let me get my paper out here. So the devil wants you to compare yourself with everyone around you instead of being comfortable in your own skin. In your own walk, he wants you to feel less than and not good enough. He wants you to constantly compare your shortcomings to everyone else who doesn't seem like they have shortcomings. He wants you to compare who you are as a wife to how other people are as a wife. He constantly just wants you to look at yourself as everyone else is around you. They're, they're doing better than you. And if you would just do more, then you, you need to do better than them. The reality is, if you want God to use you, you know how this is the key. The key for God to truly use you in your life is humility. Humility. You know what humility looks like? Humility doesn't look like I can know more of the Bible than everyone. I'm doing better than everyone. Humility looks like being self-aware and being able to admit where you really are. I had a lady in our church, an older lady that told me before, she said, listen, she said, I, I like being in the kids ministry because I, I learn, I learn back there at, that, at, at the kids level. And I thought, wow, you know how humble that is to say? Most people would never, ever, ever admit that. They'll never pick up the new believers book because they have too much pride to admit that maybe they don't know that much about the Bible. And I thought, wow, you don't understand that your humility actually qualifies you for leadership. Right? But that, if you get in an unhealthy place, you can compare yourself. Well, I don't know as good as them, and I don't go down front and, and lift my hands, or I don't, when I pray, I don't pray good. That's one of my favorite people say, I don't know how to pray good. What in the world? Just, you don't have to be the person that prays good. You just need to talk to your father. You need to just talk to him. God, I love you. God, I miss you. God, I need you. It's really simple. You don't have to be the person that 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua the Christ. <laughs> the Nazarite, the Galilean. Whatever. It all comes from your If it doesn't come from your heart, it means nothing. You can, you can babble out words. You can say a million words. You can, know, you can memorize scripture. You can do it all. But if it's not coming from a heart of worship and love, it means nothing. So don't compare yourself to people who do things, just do things differently than you. You know, or do things uh, that maybe they, can, they have different gifts than you do. And then you always feel less than. Don't compare yourself. I mean, it's not for me to compare myself with other preachers. Amen? So we see two ways this can be done in 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. King Saul and David. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan became one with Saul, the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took David that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made an agreement with David. Because he loved him as himself, Jonathan took off his long coat and he gave it to David. He gave him his battle clothes, his sword, his bow, and his belt also. David went everywhere that Saul went and did well. Saul had him lead the men of war, and it was pleasing to all the people and to Saul's servants. Catch this out for a second. Saul had, at the moment, it seemed like Saul was raising up David. He was raising him up. He took him everywhere with him. He put him in charge of men. Verse 6, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the woman came out in all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul playing songs of joy on timbrels. It says, the woman sang as they played and said, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry. The heart of true leadership is when Jesus spoke the words, the things I've done, you will do greater things. What does that mean? That means that he is not trying to Make sure that you stay in your place and remember that he's, he's the leader. I'm not saying that, like, obviously Jesus is the leader. But for an example, at the church, we're raising people up. We're not supposed to sit there and look at, like, oh, okay, well, i got to make sure they stay under Mike, though. And all of a sudden, what do we see here? It seems like David starts to get above Saul. And people are literally singing songs. Basically, Saul, you're not good enough. David's better than you. Literally, it's basically what that says. Saul has thousands, David his ten thousand. Hey, Saul, David's better. Instead of hearing, wow, how awesome for David. God, look what you're doing in David's life. Look what God is doing through David. Did you know that you can become, you can become someone who's grateful for people who go beyond you when you realize that God's getting the glory? And you can start to stop caring about what it is that you've done. And you can see that what they're doing, God is winning, not just you. And so God is winning in David. But instead we see Saul, where it happens, it's like a lot of us. He's, he's human too. He's God's anointed. He's chosen by God. But what happens? He gets angry. He gets jealous, starts comparing himself. And he starts to think, hold on a second. I'm the king. I'm better than this. I'm the anointed one. That's how the devil started thinking as well, if you remember. <laughs> then he said, then saying, this saying did not please him. <laughs> he said, they, they have given David honor for 10,000s, but for me, only thousands. You know what this is? We talk about this all the time. This is the orphan heart. This is the heart of an orphan, of someone who is not a son, a child of God, who understands their identity, who understands their gifting, who is rooted and grounded in his love and doesn't need, who doesn't base their life on their performance. But this thought right here, he says right here, I'm sorry, but for me, only thousands. The heart, if you ever deal with this thought, well, what about me? Why, Why didn't they ask me to give my testimony? Why didn't they ask me to do the prayer at the church? Why didn't they ask me to do this at work? Why didn't they ask me to lead this group? Why didn't they ask me? If 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 that comes in our hearts and instead of being excited for the ones that they did ask and realizing that God is using that person and God is in fact getting the glory. But we can all be human, right? 
But we compare ourselves and then we realize, man, I mean, I'm not as good. Maybe I, you know what I mean? The reality is, listen, people are going to look better than us. They're going to talk better than us. They're going to do a lot of things better than us. Amen? But we don't have to be like Saul and be jealous and intimidated and compare it. We can be completely comfortable with who we are in Christ and say, God, I thank you that you're using my brother. I thank you that you're using my sister. How can I be like Jonathan and how can I raise them up? How can I give him something? How can I bless them? What can I offer them? Because you know what Jonathan, when he sowed into David's life, he was sowing seed by giving him his belt and his sword. He was giving him something. Now guess what? Jonathan's a part of the inheritance. How can I bless these people? So anyways, we want to be Jonathan's and not Saul's. Amen? So we don't want to have this heart of an orphan-minded person, this insecurity, right? Why doesn't anybody see me? The heart of, we've got to be the, the heart of a son and a daughter. And no, let me tell you this morning, to give you some peace, God sees you and he loves you. And it's not because of your performance for anything. And it's not because of how he uses you. He doesn't love any of us any more than the other. I know, but don't, if we could all be real this morning, we all struggle with this, right? Man, but let me, remember, it's a trap. Don't step in that trap. Don't step in. Watch out for it. This is a really tough subject, but there's no place for insecurity in the kingdom of heaven, okay? We are, listen to me, listen to me. Insecurity is not humility. But, because what happens is, a lot of times we, we get around confident people and we think they're arrogant. But sometimes when you're just insecure, you don't know how to be confident without being arrogant. You have to be, you have to be rooted in who you are. I mean, I had somebody tell me, you know, Mike, that sounds, you know, the, the Muslims, the Jews to this day think how prideful was it of Jesus to say that he was God's son. How prideful for us Christians today to say that we are God's children. But this is the testimony and the declaration of the body of Christ, that I am a child of God, that I am his son, that I am his beloved, that I am, that I am chosen, that I am blessed. You know what I mean? Like this is stuff, you have, to, you have to get to a place that you are so secure, not in who you are in and of yourself, but simply in who you are in Christ. I am nothing without him. I am nothing without him, but in him, I'm all of this stuff. I'm the righteousness of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. I am a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a city set on a hill. You know, this is who I am. I'm the light shining in the darkness. Like you have, to, you have to take on this security and this confidence. I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. I can walk before my father's throne and come in his room and come in his office because I'm his. Why? Because I'm good enough? No. Because I'm cool enough? No. Because of what Jesus has done for me. It is not arrogant to be rooted and confident in who you are in Christ. You need to be overly confident in who you are in him, not overly confident in your giftings. Because if you're overly confident just in your own giftings, that's where arrogance comes in. That's where self-righteousness comes in. You have to stay in this place of humility like Paul. Paul had every right to boast, right? But what did he say? Nope, I boast about my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you can stay in a place of humility, I'm just telling you, insecurity wants to come in and it wants everybody just to, basically insecurity says that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you compare yourself to other people, you don't measure up, you're, you're, you're the least person at this church. And then all of a sudden, you don't know how to fight that insecurity with confidence, so then you just be arrogant. And you start saying, actually, no, I'm not. I'm better than these people. I heard them say a cuss word. I think they're still smoking an e-cig. And then you become the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector when the tax collector is saying, oh, God, uh, uh, the Pharisee is saying, God, thank you that I'm not like the tax collector. 
Well, God, I thank you. I got some problems, you know, but I ain't that person doing drugs coming into church still. That's not confidence. That's arrogance. It's self-righteousness, which is a whole nother scheme of the devil to get you so fixed on what you're doing good. And you know how you know if you're self-righteous, you just compare yourself with everybody else's works. You constantly just see what everybody else is not doing and it like makes you feel better. Come on now. So what do we do if we're insecure? You get a hold of some scriptures that tell you who you are and you put them on your phone in your notes and you read them out multiple times a day and you say, God, I thank you that I'm yours. I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that I'm an image bearer of you. I bear the image of God. I have been predestined for good works before the creation of the world. I am being conformed into the image of your son. I am blessed, I'm chosen, I'm free. This is not arrogance, this is where we need to stand in the Lord, amen? Amen. But that insecurity, comparison will bring insecurity, so to stop comparing, just look at Jesus and just be like, man, so no matter how high and mighty you think you are, just look at him and realize he, he saved you because you were just as lost as everyone else, amen? So no more comparison, amen? So, comparison will also lead to competition. Because if you're comparing yourself to that person, now you've got to start competing with that person. Because now you've got to prove that you're actually better or that you're good enough. Because now, but all this is super unhealthy, right? <laughs> you know, so like if you know me at all, I'm all about some good competition. No, come on, somebody. Listen here, I'm going to tell you right now. We, were out in the, we had this uh, men's thing one time, and next thing we know, there's like four of us guys. We were just throwing a stick, seeing who could get it to the water. As grown men. I mean, not just me, but like 40-something. We're, we're just a little friendly competition. I mean, you find me and my son competing. I love basketball. If you've played me, some of you in this church, uh, Mason, have fallen uh, to my pig skills in the basketball. I don't want to call any other names out. Mason, Luke. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. And, uh, but you know, and I just love a good competition that they, you know, they actually are, you know, better than me. I don't know about Luke, but Mason definitely is. Uh, um, but is Luke even here? Are you here? What's up, buddy? Love you, man. Um, but I love a good competition. Like I'm very competitive. Like you can find me in my house, me and my son doing random things to compete. We're like, all right, you know, who can hit this target? Just random, random stuff all the time. We're, we're trying to compete. And don't let my wife fool you. She's very competitive as well. Go play some skippo with her. You know, she does not like to lose. Um, but anyways, competition can be healthy, right? You play sports, you're trying to win. We don't, I, I'm not for participation trophies when, in sports. That's ridiculous. When I was 12 years old, I prayed for a little league team. We were the youngest team that year. We lost every game. You know what I got? Depression. <laughs> Insecurity. <laughs> I didn't get any I didn't ribbons. I didn't get any trophies that year. I mean, back in, I mean, it was raised in those days where you just went home sad, right? <laughs> but guess what I learned? I learned that I was better at basketball. <laughs> it was time for me to give up baseball. So anyways, what am I trying to say? Competition can be a really healthy thing, but competition has no place in the kingdom of heaven. We are not in competition with other churches in town. We are, you know, a lot of, of y'all ask, some of people ask, but why aren't we doing this? And why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Well, this church has this. Because we're not in competition. We are not trying to win people to this church over another church. We are following the voice of the Lord and we are doing what he says. Because we're not in competition. Well, they're VBS. They did this. They're VBS. We're not in competition. It doesn't mean we can't do better at stuff. You see what I'm saying? We gotta have a good heart. If we have a heart of insecurity, we'll be in competition. If we have a heart of comparison, we'll go to competition. But if we stay in the heart of a son, you can just look at things and realize that you're not maybe doing that great and you can work on it. Right? You can point out things I'm not doing very well and I can work on them because I know who I am in Christ. I'm not trying to be better than you. 
I could say, you know what? Yeah, that church probably, they do that, they do that really well. What can we learn from them? Instead of, well, I don't know that church over there, you know, they're Methodist. They got some weird theology, so I wouldn't even go there if I was you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But we're not in competition. And if you start comparing, you'll start to be in competition. We, there's no competition in our nursery in Jesus' name. There's no competition in our children's church workers. There's no competition in our youth leaders. There absolutely can be no competition on this platform. Jesus, help us to be rooted in who we are and what we're good at. We played basketball a few weeks ago. Carter's like, Dad, why aren't you shooting more? Da, da, da. I said, because these guys are better than me, bro. <laughs> Insecurity would have had me out there just trying to take over the game. You see what I'm saying? Competition, comparison. I'd have been out there, oh no, I gotta prove myself. I can shoot, I can be better, but no, no, no. I told my son, dude, they're better than me. I got three people on my team that are better than me. I'm gonna play my role. I'm gonna play defense. You don't want me guarding you. I'm gonna foul you all day long. <laughs> we play at the church, there's no referee. It's basically like being on the streets with less foul language. I said less, not none. <laughs> but I said, I'm going to play my role. I, I, I know where I'm at in this game, and I'm going to play my role. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? When I bring some people into this church that come and speak, and I know in a sense that they, not, it's not that they're better than me. It's just that in my, I, I look at them as they are above me. Does that make sense? Not... I mean, how many of you know, when Jesus told them about authority, he said, you're not like the Pharisees who lord it over people, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna serve, right? The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. You can be over someone, but be a servant. And if you're a servant leader, people come under. And I love having people here that I'm like, man, this person's definitely above me in the kingdom. And it's funny because they're so honoring to me. They have all the rights to be like, hey, you know what? I'm in charge of the service now, young buck. <laughs> and and, I, and they, I've never had anybody come in this church to speak and try to say, hey, you know what? I'll just take it from here. Even though in the kingdom, I do sense they are over me. But you know what I do? I say, hey, listen, dude. You have free reign today. You know, like, if you want to say, if you have something, you know, if you want to get up and share, da 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 Because I recognize my role. I recognize what God is doing. I'm not a, against playing my position. Because why? I can play my role because I'm not insecure. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. When I miss that shot, dang, that sucks. But guess what? My value isn't based on my gifting or my performance. My value comes from Jesus. Some of, I, I'm gonna tell you, I won't call no names out. Some of the guys, they get so frustrated when they play basketball because you're, you're, you know, you put a lot of your value in what you can do. I'm here to tell you the good news is that your value doesn't come from what you can do with Jesus. I mean, you might not make the high school basketball team, but you're always gonna make God's team. Amen. I needed that. Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> when I was in seventh grade or eighth grade and I got cut and I was the only one to get cut from the last 13 people, it struck me to my soul. Knowing I was better than a couple other players because they were just taller and bigger too. That's not my insecurity. It's just the truth. <laughs> one of them lived in my neighborhood, played that guy all my life. He was never better than me, but he was bigger than me. And they needed some size, I guess. And I had asthma. Gosh, <laughs> why are you laughing? That's terrible. That was a genuine laugh of just totally making fun of me. That's fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> hey, I love me too. Yeah, I do. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, that sounds private. You know, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to learn to love who you are, what you can do, what gifts you have, and then you'll be able to celebrate others. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. I like sitting down. Maybe I preach better. Who knows? So competition. I don't even know if my clock is right. I'm just going to preach all day. Wow, it's getting late. 
Oh, glory to God. Come on. I, don't, I just don't want you to leave. I, 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 keep, I keep good spirits. I, I like to use humor. I do because I know these are hard topics. I don't want you leaving thinking that I'm just here with a hammer this morning to show you that you're in comparison insecure. No, if you're insecure, get out of that. Come, into the, come in and be rooted in him. Come in and, and plant your feet and say, no, I'm, I'm his. But so-and-so can sing better than you. It doesn't matter. We're all sons and daughters. I, I'll kind of end with this story. Um, um, we're all going to have times where we battle with this. It's not just going to go away. Right? As a pastor, you know, I'm always going to have, listen, me and the people who come on this stage, we're not in competition. Some, Pastor Faith does a great job preaching and teaching the word. I'm, we're not competing with one another. We're completing one another. Right? Well, I like her preaching better. Praise God. Wonderful. Great. That's why she's here. <laughs> I had a guy tell me, I could just listen to her talk all day. And I thought, that's amazing. You never told me that. <laughs> but I'm not insecure. And I'm, but in that moment, the devil, as soon as someone says something like that, there's a trap set out. But I've come to a place of maturity where I recognize, oh, that's a trap. And I'm like, no, I'm not stepping in the devil's traps. I'm going to raise up people. I'm going to stay who I am. I'm going to play my role. I'm going to let God use me how he wants to. And I'm going to celebrate others when they're used. And if you're a leader in this church, I'm telling you, don't be a Saul. Truly learn how to raise up people. Don't be afraid that they might they do better or they might get more praise than you. David literally was getting more praise than Saul, literally. Oh, we love him. You know, one thing I've done in the past, when I was the youth pastor and people would come to me, um, one thing I'm just gonna tell you guys, if you're new here, things I don't entertain. I don't, I don't entertain when people come to me complaining about their church or their old church or their old pastor. That doesn't make me feel better. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I love you. But like, oh man, I love this church so much better than my last one. That doesn't make me feel good. I, I, I'm not in competition with your pastor. You know what I mean? Well, this church's stuff is better than that one. Don't, don't look at it like that. Be at this church because God called you to be at this church. If you're looking for the greatest events in town, I promise you there's, better, there's other churches in town. They're going to do that better, 100%. I'm just going to tell you, they got more money, they got more people, they, got, you know, they just got it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care. Go over there. Go to their events. Go for it. Have fun. Be where the Lord wants you to be. That's all we want. That's all, that's all we want. That's all God wants. Well, I'm praying. I'm, well, do you have this? Do you have this? doesn't matter. God, where do you want me to be? One of my, I, was, I, got, a, I got a letter from somebody in the mail and I'll close with this. I know I say that a lot. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love being a pastor because some of you are smiling and you're so warm hearted. Some of you are just giving me the coldest stare ever and uh, don't know how to read it half the time. But anyways, <laughs> listen to me. You know, we can, we don't just want to just do everything that everybody's doing. We don't just want to be another church. We don't just want this to be another, don't let this church just become another service. But get what God is trying to get to you from this pulpit, from these times of worship, from these times of praise. Get that thing that God is trying to impart to you. Don't just let it come. Well, I'm not getting anything. Well, be open, be expectant, and be willing. Be teachable. So you know why most people are not receiving? Because they're not teachable. Well, I already know this stuff. It, you might have already heard some of this, but are you living this stuff? Did you know that you could hear a message a million times, but it doesn't mean that you've actually start to walk in that message? I had a, a person of our church wrote me a letter, or they sent me a card, and I won't say who it is, obviously, but they said, since I've been at the Father's house, you know, I've, I have got rid of a lot of my heavy burdens, and I have forgiven people that I've hated. And I remember, come on, and I remember I was in my kitchen, and I was just like in tears, like, Oh, Jesus, this is what successful church looks like. 
Because I go to all these conferences and all this stuff where they're like, you know, we got to get our systems better and we got we to do A, B, C, and D better and, and more people will come. And when people ask about how's your church doing, the first thing usually people say is the attendance number. Yeah. Well, our church is about 300 right now. It really should be maybe about 400. That's not what I asked you. There are churches in straight witchcraft affirming homosexuality that have a large attendance. I was sitting there thinking, man, I'm so grateful, Lord, for what you're doing in this hour, in this house. You are setting people free. Not just from their sin. Come on, you can give him praise for that. Prayer team, would you come? Worship team, could you come? I mean... I've got, to, I've got to be a part of people forgiving people they've been holding unforgiveness for 20 years. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this stuff gets me excited. I get to see people get free of addiction and stay free. And I'm like, man, this stuff moves me. I get to see uh, grown, grown people, elderly people find freedom from bondage they've been walking in for 30 years. And this is what makes me happy. And the Lord is reminding me to be a healthy church, guys. We cannot raise up insecure people or arrogant people. We need confident people. Confident in what God's gifted you to do. Did you know one of the greatest things that is needed in the church today is just simply encouragement. You might not be the best singer or the best whatever, but you can be the best and most encouraging person in this church. How many of you need encouragement? Raise your hand real high. I do. I'll raise both my hands. <laughs> Some of us need it a little more than others. <clears throat> can we stand? I'll stand with you. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 18, verse one, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like this little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The world system says, be at the top, do what you can to, to rise to the place of the pyramid. But God's system says, hey, you wanna be the greatest, you're doing it all wrong by comparing, by competing, by being insecure, by not being okay with who I've created you to be. You really wanna be the greatest? Then be the greatest servant. Serve from a place of simply because you love Jesus. Don't just serve because you feel, because you know that you can put your identity in how much you serve as well. And the next thing you know, you're serving all over the church and you're still empty, feeling insecure. Lord, I just pray that that would break this morning in the name of Jesus. Could you close your eyes and just lift your hands out in front of you to receive? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray the spirit of adoption, the, the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, Lord, that we would come right now as little children and say, Abba, we are yours. That we are comfortable in our own skin, Lord. That we are comfortable in our own gifts and our own talents. And it's not a competition. And today we repent, Lord, for comparison and insecurity and competition that's come in our hearts. And maybe even jealousy. If any of those things register with you, just even just say, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Come on, don't be shy. God, forgive me. Being jealous of my brother, being jealous. And uh, it's not their fault, but God, help me to be rooted and grounded in who I am. Like that song that says, I am who he says I am. I am loved. I am blessed. I am chosen. I'm his. I'm his beloved. Isaiah 43 says, the one who formed you, the one who created you has called you by name. And he says this morning, you are mine. Father, I thank you that you affirmed Jesus at his baptism before he performed any miracles. 
before he performed in any way, shape, or form, you said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Let us all be rooted in that love that you've given us first and let us serve from that place of overflow. Jesus, you're good. Bless your people with every eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I... I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to be forgiven of my sin. I need to give him my heart. I need to be born again. If that's you, would you lift your hand up right now, right where you are and say, man, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I see that hand in the back. I need salvation. I need my sins to be washed whiter than snow. If that's you, would you lift your hand right where you are? I see two hands. Anyone else? And I need to give my heart to Jesus this morning. I see another hand over here on the left. So if you have, if you have your hand raised, church, would you, if you don't have your hand raised, would you just begin to pray and intercede for them? And if you do have your hand raised, would you just repeat after me? It's not about saying certain words or a certain prayer. It's all about coming from your heart. And you know, if you're here and you have your hand raised and you are ready to give your heart to Jesus and your sin to be wiped clean this morning and step into a heavenly kingdom and a heavenly family. If that's you, would you just pray with me out loud and say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose from the grave. From this day forward. Come on, say it like you mean it. If you're giving your life to Jesus, from this day forward, I'm yours. My sins are gone. And I'm completely clean. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for those who have given your life to the Lord. Come on, give it up for them, church. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. So, real quickly, for those who raised your hand, please, before you leave, come down front. We would love to pray with you, give you a New Believers book. There's also some at the Welcome Desk. Get that connection card. We want to connect with you, get you a New Believers book. Make sure you get baptized and just help you walk this journey with you. It's not meant to be done alone. We love you where you're at. You guys are amazing. So if you need prayer for anything else before you go, if you need healing in your body, if you just need somebody to partner with you in prayer for anything, the altars are open. Bless you guys. Have a good week. Talk to you soon.